Do you remember the last time you picked up a pen and noticed the quality? How about a razor you handled that didn't feel cheaply made? When was the last time a product made a true and lasting impression on you? In this era of the mass-produced and disposable, anything lovingly handcrafted seems to be a rare thing. Maybe it's time for a change, and Spindlecraft can help. At Spindlecraft, passion and superior quality make it stand out from the faceless, automated crowd. Material for each piece of work is thoughtfully chosen, crafted, sanded, and finally polished with the kind of attention to detail and dedication you can't get off of an assembly line. At Spindlecraft, they know that quality of the material is as important as the quality of the craftsmanship and is a reflection of both the artist and the customer. So rather than buying some cheap pens or razors that you won't give a second thought, purchase something from Spindlecraft. To see what they have to offer, go to www.spindlecraft.com and at the checkout, enter the word GEEKS. That's G-E-E-K-S to get 10% off. We're sure that once you have a Spindlecraft product in your hand, you won't want to put it down. Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. The links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Sarah, and uh, it's been a hot minute. It really has. Like, I didn't even realize how long it's been, but it's been maybe over a month. And, I mean, we just got hit. Well, personally, I got hit with just, you know, not being available. And then, you know, we tried to record last week and we're having computer issues. And then I got sick the previous weekend, this weekend, the previous weekend had computer issues. Mm-hmm. Holy cacophony of just craziness. Yeah, the computer issues <laughs> were my fault. Um Oh, my just my computer it had uh, run into some issues. Let's just put it that way: uh, issues that could not be resolved in uh, a few minutes. Uh, it, um, a part died in my computer, and I needed Never to replace fun. it. So I needed to order it, get the new one in, and re- you know, kind of install reinstall everything in my computer case and uh get it up and running again which it is uh well kind of kind of um yeah so what basically what happened was i was in the process of building a new computer but i still needed to use my old computer and in the it was it was the old computer that uh i had a real issue with so um so ulti- your, your old computer knew that you're building a new one and it's like Oh, you're gonna replace me? Well, here, how about I just break down for you? Yeah, you, know, you like it. It was the worst timing possible. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, a buddy of mine is gonna buy it off me. So, um, and the part that I had to replace, thankfully, wasn't that expensive. So it's not like I, you know, spent half of what I'm beginning for the computer as a whole. Good so, thankfully, it was, it was yeah, it was okay. Anyway, um. 
So that's kind of where we stand. And this wasn't the intention, uh, honestly. Uh, obviously, we had planned to record over the last several weeks. Now, Jacob and I had, we got an episode out, uh, but, you know, with Sarah and I, um, and Raker, the plan was to get out a few episodes centered around Christmas, Christmas movies and, you know, all that. And it just didn't work out, it, you know, being sick and, uh, obviously me having computer issues, it just did not work out. So unfortunately, um, less of the Christmas stuff this year than I would have liked. Uh, next year, maybe we'll try and make up for it. Uh, maybe we'll try to do uh, double the Christmas movies that we would usually do, um, pack it in quite a bit, and uh, you know, really make up for what we didn't get to this year. <laughs> what are the Christmas movies in your household? Like, what do you have to watch every year? Um, my wife, Home Alone, is really one yeah. of them. Yep, yeah, Home Alone. Uh, for me, I mean, I grew up. With Home Alone, I was uh, eight years old when Home Alone Perfect came timing. out. Yep, and um, I watched that many, many times as a kid. <laughs> uh, uncounted. Uh, it's just <laughs> ridiculous the amount of times I watched uh, that movie. So that one is huge. And oh, for my wife, it's the. Um... Sorry. Oh, music's going on. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, my phone. Um, so. For for me, it would have to be uh, Home Alone. But for Jess, it is uh, was it the uh, Muppets Christmas Carol? Oh, that we reviewed that. I think, I think it was last year, or the year before. That's a classic for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of the thing we like to watch. Uh, those two in particular, and then and there's other ones that you can throw in. Other classics, uh, Nightmare. For Christmas, which we're reviewing now, obviously, we have other ones too. You know, there's the all-time classics, uh, you know, Miracle on 34th Street, obviously. Uh, you know, It's a, it's a Wonderful Life. Um, the true classics like Die Hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just, um, there's just so many though. I mean, there's, you know, you can get other ones too. I mean, there's, okay, Die Hard Christmas movie. Um, yeah, my parents have um, to watch that every Christmas Eve. That is their movie. <laughs> yeah, and then another one that uh really like to watch is Bad Santa. Yes, the the raunchy Christmas show, <laughs> which we sh- we're going to review, but we just ran out of time. Well, that was on my list, honestly. So I was like Lauren Graham, like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like what second season I think of Gilmore Girls. Lauren Graham. Is it really that long ago that movie came out? I want to say it was two thousand and two, uh, I believe. I guess you're right because I I remember that movie coming out and being on the blockbuster shelves. So that is a a little while ago. <laughs> well, yikes! Well, time time flies. Uh, it does. But her character. Oh, it was two thousand three. Two thousand three. Yeah, it makes sense. But but you know, <laughs> the let's just say she made a big impression on me <laughs> in that movie. Um, but anyway, but uh, obviously we're not uh, going down that route uh, in this in this review. 
Uh, of course, we were actually going to be doing A Nightmare Before Christmas, which was your pick. Yes. Right? So, it's one of my favorite Christmas slash Halloween combo movies. Because <laughs> you I, can really go either way. Yeah, because it does it does hit both there in a lot of ways. It's um Yeah, it's it's um a movie that hits both holidays equally in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's a fantastic movie. It's just I mean, it's a movie that you can love in as adults and it's still like claymation something an art that was primarily just for kids and you know, they put this dark twist on it and did a really good job with it. And to have a lot of singing throughout it and to have adults still just like absolutely adore this movie. That says something. Yeah. I remember when this movie came out, I uh, saw the commercials for it, the trailers uh, back in 1993. And I remember being enthralled by it. I thought this looks so cool. I really wanted to see this. And my mom took me to see the movie. I was a little young to see when it came out, but I still remember the first time I watched it when I was like seven and I was horrified and terrified. <laughs> I was like, just could not handle it at seven for some reason. Like this is like, I was like, this is creepy. I can't watch this. Can't, couldn't even get through the opening scenes. I was too scared. It wasn't until I was like 11, a preteen that I'm like, okay, I understand. I get this. I like this now. <laughs> yeah. Seven's a little young. I think um, some of that's really scary stuff. You know, for a seven-year-old, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, watching clowns take their own face off. And <laughs> that, you know, that gives you nightmares. Everything that comes with it. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, Sarah's still recovering from her illness. Yeah, you'll probably hear me cough a couple times. I'm sorry, guys. Yes. Yeah. Uh, all right, so let's um, let's get to this. So, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, it is a movie that was released on December 12th. Um, as the incorrect, the incorrect date that I wrote I'm pretty down here. Sure, it wasn't released a couple of days ago. Yeah. In our notes, it says 2018, but that was 1993. Yes, I should have, you know, replaced that date. So apologize. Anyway, written by Tim Burton and Michael McDowell, directed by Henry Selick. Runtime of an hour and 16 minutes. A budget of 18 million dollars, with a box office of 75 million. Stars Chris Sarandon, Danny Elfman. Catherine O'Hara, Paul Rubens, and William Hickey. So, it's quite an interesting ensemble of of actors that are a part of this. I mean, Danny Elfman, he's of course like, of course he's a part of it. It's if it's anything Tim Burton, he's going to be involved one way or another. But I mean, the other actors and I mean, it's interesting the picks, but they work so well. Yeah, they do. Um, really fantastic. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it because there's a lot. There's so much to love here in this Very movie. Um, I can tell you that this movie has already achieved the highest rating for me of all the movies we've done, I believe, so far. Really? I think so. Um, or if it's if it's if it hasn't, it's right up there. I, I can't say a hundred percent for sure, but it's it's pretty close if it isn't outright the best. Wow, I'll be interested to hear this because definitely usually the one that's like you know, a critical raider which is not a bad thing it's a good thing but to hear this this is one that's going up really high i'm interested to see your scores yeah um all right so let's do one sentence review sarah why don't you give me your one sentence review all right nightmare for christmas is a cop 
cacophony of talented oddities that perfectly complement the dark but playful tone that this movie has. It's an absolute Christmas must. Uh, okay. And mine is a near-perfect mix of morbid fairy tale and gothic tragedy that manages to be original, hilarious, and heartfelt. All wrapped Near in perfect? <laughs> yeah, well, very few. Nothing is perfect. And <laughs> just saying, well, nothing's perfect. Um, the labyrinth is pretty perfect. But, you know, if, that's neither if, here nor there. If Raker, if Raker were here, <laughs> you I know, know he's his, not here to argue his, with me. Right. <laughs> Um, all right, so basically the plot synopsis for this is that Jack Skellington, who is the king of Halloween Town, discovers Christmas Town, but his attempts to bring Christmas to uh, his home cause confusion. So this movie is um it's it's amazing. I so basically what you have is uh Jack Skellington, right? And He's the king of Halloween Town. The problem is, it's the same thing every year. All right, uh, they, they they get everything together. They do Halloween. They scare people. They, they do all the stuff that you're supposed to do in Halloween Town. And the problem is, Jack is kind of over it. Right? It's he not d- new to him anymore. He's, you know, as you get when you're like the most popular kid in school, you know, eventually you start seeking out a place where you're not completely adored and people aren't fawning over you, of course. Well, it, what it is, I think, is um, he's not being challenged anymore. Exactly. There's he's nothing being given ch- everything. Right. There's nothing challenging about doing what they do in Halloween Town anymore. It's just, it's kind of like getting up and brushing your teeth and, and uh, doing like the ho-hum normal stuff every day because... It's just the same thing over and over. He's getting bored. And so he's looking for a spark. He's looking for inspiration, really. And that happens when he stumbles on Christmastown. And all of a sudden, you have this place which is bright and it's shiny and there's colors everywhere and there's lights. And it's just, it's the complete antithesis of. Halloween Town in pretty much every way. And he is so enthralled by this. And he sees Santa Claus and, and he sees what this whole thing is about. It's just, it's like, it's amazing. All of a sudden, he wants to do this. This is what he wants. Um, and so he, you know, informs everybody in Halloween Town that this is what we're going to do. You know, Christmas. Well, meanwhile, uh, everyone in Halloween Town is—they're very into Halloween. They're not over it and looking for something new like Jack is. So it's you know uh, trying to put a very new mindset into people who already have their mindset in a very certain way. Yeah, yeah, it's um, you know, something they're not really keen on. You know, they don't—they don't, they don't want to do Christmas. Not really. I mean, they do it because Jack is. Jack, he's he's basically the king, and uh, they'll follow him, right? And they'll they'll do what he says, but the problem is, uh, it's not in their nature. And so, unfortunately, as you see in this movie, even though they have the best of intentions and in carrying out Jack's wishes, the problem is uh, there are so many things that go wrong when you have the people of Halloween Town involved in trying to bring Christmas to people, <laughs> which, uh. Children getting 
snakes and and various other terrible things as gifts you know so again best of intentions just not really a good idea yeah they don't blend well together yeah they don't like in a movie yeah they work pretty well together as this concept but when you actually try to blend halloween with with christmas it it can lead to some terror (laughs) uh some terror i'd say a lot of terror (laughs) Some, you know, some harm, some hospital visits. <laughs> yeah. Some phone calls being made. So we have other characters here, though, right? We have, um, obviously, Jack is, is voiced by Chris Sarandon. And then we have Sally, who's voiced by Catherine O'Hara. Now, Sally loves Jack. Correct. Very much. Right. She loves Jack. And... Um, the problem is Sally has her own problems. Just a few. So tell me about Sally. So Sally is basically newly created. This whole world is entirely, you know, something Mm -hmm. new to her because she's been built by this like mad scientist and the whole world's new to her. She wants to go out and explore it and the people in it and, you know, she identifies with Jack because he feels like, you know, he's kind of trapped in the, the same routine where she is literally trapped in, you know, this isolated tower that she's not let out of very rarely. <laughs> so she immediately has something to identify with him on. And that's where the connection starts. And, you know, the more she basically <laughs> follows him around and, you know, they become closer and it's kind of builds a little love story in the, the entirety of this craziness that is the nightmare for Christmas horror and Christmas combined. <laughs> yeah, so um, we have the evil scientist who's voiced by William Hickey, and he yeah. is a piece of work. <laughs> he's creepy. Like, even watching this as an adult now, he still kind of gives me, like, just the creeps, you know? He's really icky. Yeah, there's, there's like a, a sexually abusive vibe. Right? It's know? exactly that. It's, That's what you feel. You, it, it's, it's, it's weird. It's very, you're right. It's very creepy. It's weird. It's, um, it's probably one of the, the more, uh, unsettling aspects to this movie, I guess, which is, it was a complete joy to watch. I love watching this movie. It's just, that particular element, it's not that it's bad, it's just that, or anything, it's more like, I th- obviously I think it was in- intentional um, that they put it yeah, in there. Like he know. feels like the yeah. the controlling husband that expects like the wife to take care of him, and if she does anything he doesn't approve of, you know, she gets punished for it. It's got that very creepy vibe. Right, exactly. So... You know, you have Sally who is doing her best to help Jack and she's trying to warn him, you know, to not do this. I mean, she has this, you know, premonition of doom, really. That it, if she Jack... seems to have this, this uh, sixth sense of what's going to happen. Right. So she's trying to warn Jack and everyone really about the fact that if, if Jack does go through with this, it's not going to end well. She's very right. So... Um, and you have uh, the mayor, of course. You have Locke, who's voiced by Paul Rubens. Uh, Glenn it's Shaddix is, yeah, Glenn Shaddix is the mayor. And then you have uh, Oogie Boogie, 
who is voiced by Ken Page. Which is such a good choice. I mean, he, that voice is perfect for that character. It's so very, like, you know, deep and unsettling. It is. And it's, yeah, Oogie Boogie is, is one of the best parts of the entire movie. It's fantastic. Um, so anyway, you you have the, the story kind of plays out. As you could imagine, Jack sends out his minions to capture Santa Claus, and uh, they do. Jack decides he's the one taking over the duties for Christmas. They start uh, the Halloween town. Halloween town starts to more or less take on the duties of the elves, right? They start to create all of the the presents and the toys and all this stuff. But all the presents and toys are much scarier than they should be. They're and, out to kill you, right? And um, you know, Santa Claus is is captured, and Oogie Boogie is has got him. So, I know. I mean, obviously, the movie ends with Santa managing to you know, get out and basically retake uh, back Christmas, take back his turf Christ- back, <laughs> right? Take Christmas back and uh, make everything okay, more or less, is what it comes down to. Um, settle a couple lawsuits, you know, pay off some angry parents. <laughs> oh yeah, they were throwing in some vacations there for all the the torment and torture that they put the kids through. But um, <laughs> totally, better better take on those therapy bills for all those kids there, Santa. <laughs> um, yeah. So look, I mean, the point is, if look, if you haven't seen a Nightmare Before Christmas, I don't know why you're listening to this review actually, but. Um, to understand it, it is to see it. <laughs> right, it's true. I mean, I can sit and explain. In some movies, you can do a fine job of explaining the plot, and it's fine. In some movies, though, you can explain the plot, and it just doesn't do it justice. You have to actually watch the movie to really understand it, because uh, first off, I guess we didn't really mention This is a stop-motion animation film. Um, so if you haven't seen this and you don't know anything about the the night before Christmas, it's the, that it was a stop motion animation film that was conceived by Tim Burton uh, about a, I think a decade prior. He came up with the initial idea and um, got big, you know big enough as a director that he could more or less do what he wanted, and this is the one he wanted to do. Now people mistakenly think that Tim Burton directed this movie. It's one of the common things that people, uh, because it's Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, they think that Tim Burton is the director. Problem is, he did not direct it. Um, it's possible he maybe directed a little here and there, but I don't think he did all that much if he did any at all. So the real. Which is crazy. The, right. The real director is Henry Selleck. So it's common misconception that, that Burton was the director, but it was actually Henry Selleck, and he does a fantastic job here. He really, really does. Now, the designs and all of that, that's all Tim Burton, but Selleck is the man who, you know, directed Kept this Kept it movie. all together. Yeah, threw it all together, made it work, and uh, trust me, you do stop-motion animation, you do a, a stop-motion film, that's patience. It is tedious, and it is long, yes. but... I mean, look at this. It's so worth it. It's amazing. And they made their money back like times five. <laughs> oh, yeah, because not only did they make it back domestically in the theaters, but uh, all the merchandise, the the DVD, the, well, I guess back then it would have been VHS sales, eventually oh, DVD. It, it's, yeah, trust me, it's um, 
it's made a lot of money over the years. Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, I mean, look, you know, we could get into, I think, a whole lot regarding this movie uh, in the in terms of the plot, but it's just a movie that you have to you have to watch. You have to experience it in order to really understand it. It's weird. It's twisted. It's uncomfortable. It's delightful. It's a mix of so many things that that are contrary to each other which is part of why this movie is fantastic. And visually too, like there's scenes you wonder just how the heck they did that in claymation. I mean, some of the shots are really incredible. I mean, they do you just... have a do you have a, a favorite shot, a favorite sequence? Oh man. I mean, I mean the opening scene is just incredible. It sets the tone of this entire movie and it's really incredible. You get to see every character and what they do like one of the people in the town like literally has like their skin drips and it's just it's a cool effect and I mean the tree with the skeletons hanging from it and especially that part where Jack is you know lights himself on fire and you know twirls around on this, this pedestal and then jumps into the water and you're like that's a great scene and a great effect it was really well done yeah it's it's a fantastic it's a fantastic scene um oh and like of course jack's lament when he's singing and the you got the moon backdrop and the mountain just kind of unfolds and as he steps down it like that's just iconic for a reason yeah it is and you know that's one thing we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that there's music there's um it's all music. there's there's a lot of music sung throughout this movie and it's really good music too the fantastic songs um the Songs were sung by Danny Elfman, okay, who is a, a composer. Which you should know his name because it's pretty much everywhere. Anything Tim Burton, his name's involved with, and anything with The Simpsons, it's a very well known household name. Yeah, it is. It really is. And um, Danny Elfman was, I can't remember if it was Danny Elfman was chose, chosen to sing the songs because. He wrote them, but uh, the singing voice for Danny Elfman matches up to the speaking voice of uh, Chris Sarandon. Very that's, close. That's like, why it sounds tell. like Chris Sarandon is singing because the, the two match up so well. Um, it's amazing. It's uh, almost seamless, to be honest. And uh, yeah, I love it. So there's a lot of music here, a lot of great uh, songs, wonderful dialogue, um, wonderful uh, – in terms of the songs themselves, just a lot of fantastic stuff. Uh, you have to really listen to them and they just – they're great. They're great. Danny Elfman's a fantastic um, uh, composer. Yeah, he's done so much throughout the years, so much music and the fact that he did this is uh, – great because i think this was relatively early in his career too um i think he'd done stuff already but uh, this was one of the earlier things i think he's done um yeah he's absolutely fantastic so i love i love this movie in general um but you know if you look at the characters one of the things that i really enjoy is just how there's a lot of depth there in the script for the characters. We talked about how Sally is sad and 
you know, how she feels a kinship to Jack. Jack she is... She wants to be free. She wants to be free. And if you look at Jack as a character, he's this restless person. It's like he's always searching for more. He's looking for the thing that will feel that, that kind of emptiness in his soul. You know, he... Exactly. He's the king of Halloween Town. And yet, for all the great things they do there it's it's just not enough for him he's he's a misfit right that's part of who jack is and unfortunately he's someone who i think has a wider he has a wider array of emotion than most people in halloween town you know sally's the only other person that kind of matches up to him in terms of the wide range of emotion everyone just in Halloween Town, for the most part, is is totally you know dedicated to Halloween, and they don't think about things. You know, Jack is a a stargazer. He is a ponderer. He is somebody who wants think, to know what's beyond his world. Right. It's like the person who you know wants to go on a journey and is excited to find out what's on the other side of the hill. Yeah. You know, ahead of them. Jack is that person trying to find out what's on that hill right in front of him uh, on the other side, and he's looking for something too. And so there's that combination. It creates somebody who's just restless, and they're always looking for that thing that will fulfill them. And so for Jack, it's um, a different ha- a different holiday, you know, trying something completely new. And uh, he does it with the best of intentions, but. That's what he's searching for, and that's what I think is great about this movie. There's a lot of depth there if you look for it, uh, beyond the songs, beyond you know all the things that we see. There's more there. You know, you can if you really just look at the characters, you'll be surprised. I think at how much depth exists, and that's a testament. And you'll another thing is really important to to understand in regards to that. This is a movie that is about an hour, what, in 16 minutes? Yeah. It's not a long movie. But no. the the economy in in pacing <laughs> and character development and everything is it's fantastic. Spot on. So, uh anyway, is there anything else you want to talk about with regards to this movie? Any sequences, characters, plot beats? Man, I think one of the my one of the greatest scenes too that I think it's it's so fast paced and it's you know really well done is you know when he goes to Christmas Town and you know it really captures like how excited he is and the dreams he has and you know, he thinks he's found what's gonna make him like feel fulfilled and happy and it's pretty wonderful to watch like he seems like a person that belongs to you know more than just one world. Um, and what a thing to identify with too. Like, you know, I think most of us can identify with searching beyond, you know, what our comfort zone is and wanting to step outside and, you know, see the world and figure out where you belong and all that kind of stuff. Like it's very identifiable. Right. Do you, do you feel like with Jack, it's one of those things, it's kind of like, almost like, um, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz where, he i mean it's it's different but the end result seems to be that when jack goes through this whole journey he ultimately comes to the conclusion that 
there's no place like home. Yeah. Uh, so for yeah, it was great to try this out, but ultimately I understand where my strengths lie. Yeah, you always return back home, and but take something with the journey you've gone through. You always take something back. I think that um, the best aspect of this movie beyond the songs and the depth is the quirkiness. The odd humor, the oddball humor. It's it's a well, it's a Tim Burton hallmark. If you've watched any Tim Burton films, this movie feels like a Tim Burton film because there's just oddness, quirkiness uh, that really fits the movie. You know, the the characters themselves. I mean, look, Jack is a quirky character already. You know, and, and they make sure to play up those quirks with a lot of these characters, including Oogie Boogie. Um, yeah. But even some of the other characters are kind of weird. Like Santa is Santa, but it's a it's a it's a different it's a Santa. grumpy Santa. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's to say the least, actually. A little bit of anger issues. Like he's not even like you know. Sure, they kidnapped him. He's not like trying to teach them the right ways or like that. He's just angry. <laughs> sure, Oogie Boogie tried to kill him, but you think Santa be a little more understanding? <laughs> I don't know. Oh yeah, right. Sure. You know, he only tried to kill me, take my life, you know, <laughs> keep little kids from getting, you know, their their Christmas, you know, presents and stuff. If I'm dead, kids aren't getting Christmas. At least not the right Christmas. Well, they're getting Christmas, but <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, but look, I think the voice acting in here is phenomenal. I think everyone does a phenomenal job. And the character that had like the guy that has the axe through his head, like oh, yeah. I don't know why that guy is just adorable. He's like funny, <laughs> <laughs> so cute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I I love it. I mean, I I kind of apologize because I feel like we're almost going around in circles here. It's just some movies it's something to be watched. <laughs> some movies, um, you can easily break them down and and kind of discuss the various plot points and there's a lot there this is an hour and 16 minute movie and there's a lot of themes and ideas at play but mostly it's a meditation on finding out who you are and also being happy with yourself accepting who you are and also accepting the weaknesses and strengths that are inside of you that everyone possesses you know, Jack has weaknesses and he has strengths. And he's searching for, like I said, that spark of inspiration. That's something that gets him excited. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what Jack realizes is that you you have to accept some things in life. And even though Halloween Town isn't perfect, and yes, it's the same every year, it doesn't mean that um, it's not worth doing well. Yeah. You know, because exactly. he knows what he's doing with Halloween. That's his strength. That's his thing. It'd be like if if Santa Claus decided to do Halloween. It just wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't work. Yeah, just because it's, it's what people expect you to be doesn't mean it isn't who you are. Of course, you're going to go through a phase where you want to not even a phase, but you're always going to want to step outside of your boundaries and seek other things that are new. 
and, you know, make it add something to your life, something that it'll change you and you can bring it back home. But, you know, that's always going to be your roots and that's who he is. And, you know, it took him that journey to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to hear some trivia? Absolutely. Okay, so Tim Burton had said that the original poem was inspired by seeing Halloween merchandise displayed in a store, or yeah, displayed in a store being taken down and replaced by a Christmas display. He <laughs> said the, juxta- the juxtaposition of the ghouls and goblins with Santa and his reindeer sparked his imagination. Now, like <laughs> I said, this I believe was like a decade or more prior to this actually coming out. Uh, Danny Elpin found writing Nightmare's 10 songs as one of the easiest jobs I've ever had. And he went on to say he had a lot in common with Jack Skellington. I mean, Danny Elfman is just like, he is the, the uncrowned king of, you know, everything kind of creepy and spooky and horror related. Yeah, he's good. He's a good composer. Very. Um, Chris Sarandon was cast. I said earlier that he was cast because his speaking voice matched uh, Danny Elfman's singing. Uh, and it took a group of around 100 people three years to complete this movie. Wow. For one second of film, up to 12 stop-motion moves had to be made. God, that's crazy. So Three years three of doing nothing but like tweaking some clay. <laughs> yeah, because you got to move it just a tiny bit, photo, you know, take you know the frame, and then move it a little bit more, shoot it, move it a little bit more, shoot it. it, it yeah. That's a lot. So crazy. That is some de- love and dedication. Oh, which yeah. I mean, you feel in this movie. You completely feel it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So ultimately, you know, I think we can both agree this is a, a fantastic movie. It really is. And like I said, I, you know, I could break down everything that happens from scene to scene and all that. I don't think that's necessary. But just to just to give you guys an idea of, of how good this movie is. If you watch it and you don't like it, I totally get it. I understand. But most people that watch this movie love it. They really do. Um, and don't just like, it's not just something you casually like. You, If you like it, you love it. Right. Right. And it is. It has a passion, super passionate fan base. Uh, people that have watched it love this movie. And I understand why. Because it yeah, is it- that good. It's up there in the Tim Burton films, like on the ranks of like you know, Edward Scissorhands. Like it's very high up there in the quality and you know being that iconic Tim Burton film. I mean, this is just me personally. Like, like he didn't direct this movie, so it's not. But I do consider this to be the best film he's ever been involved with. Personally, yeah. the only it other has movie his touches all over it. <laughs> well, the only other movie I think that really matches this is Ed Wood. That's it. And that's one I know, I've heard it's incredibly good, but I haven't seen it yet. So I so really must do this list. <laughs> well, it's fantastic. So I highly recommend it. Um, okay. So uh, let's, I think let's just jump into uh, the uh, scores, the grades for All this right. movie. So, all right, let's jump into uh, script. So uh, for me, the pros are original and filled with poignant emotion and raw pathos. Cons, I honestly can't figure out what's wrong with this movie at any point. 
<laughs> that's what I wrote down. Um, the script for me is uh, a 97. That is very high praise. To not find a single flaw in a script from you is, wow. <laughs> I can be pretty brutal with script. Um, there just is not much of anything here. I mean, it's, you know, the script is you know, very direct and it's straightforward. Like, there's a point and reason to it. And then, but I mean, when you really watch it and you really like feel these characters and the emotions and their voices, there's so much depth to it. And there's all this in the script, there's always, you know, it leaves room for you to see that depth and to make your own. You know, conclusions and I love that I love when they kind of leave it open for you to draw those lines yourself and uh, so that's big pro for me and I'm with I think there's no cons with this movie there just isn't it's one of those movies that's you know I mean it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination but I mean it's damn near close <laughs> it's one of those movies that's very high up there I gave it a 96 we're very close wow you know, for people that might be listening to this and thinking, are you serious? You guys are giving it this kind of grade? Look, I, first of all, it's just our opinion. But but really, um, you know, some movies really, it's hard to really be nitpicky. You know, I mean, does are there any flaws here? I, I mean, you can nitpick the script if you really wanted to, but there really just is not much of anything there. And it's inventive. It's original it's original it, it it tries something new tries something different it, it's that's when a script i think approaches a grade like this whenever not only is it a good script and that the dialogue's great and that the songs are great and and the you, the plot is is great but that it's original that it tries to do something different and if you can manage to combine those all together that's what gets you i think a script grade like this um, so anyway, let's Absolutely. move on to acting. <laughs> this is a difficult one because there really isn't any acting. It's voice acting. Right. So, uh, you know, but here's the thing. Voice acting is still acting. I've, yeah. I've heard some pretty terrible voice acting before. <laughs> I have. And, and yeah, I've, no, you're very right. <laughs> and so, you know, that it is acting. Um, don't let anybody tell you different. You, they may not be on screen. We may not be able to see the actual actors, but trust me, they are acting, literally acting in front of that microphone. Um, and they do a fantastic job here. I think that Chris Sarandon is uh, pretty much perfect. I think everybody does a amazing job here. You know, seriously, I didn't feel like a single actor in this movie did poorly. In fact, I think they all did great. Um, I still remember when I found out that Chris Randon was the one who was, you know, Jack's voice. I'm like, oh my god, that's Chris Humperdinck. Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah, that's Prince Humperdinck. Yeah, yep. yeah, the horrible name. <laughs> yes, it is pretty terrible. <laughs> the name when you're a kid, you giggle at. <laughs> yes, exactly. I still giggle. I still giggle, I still giggle at it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> So every time like that movie is just like it's great and fantastic and you're really in it and then he says his name and you just have to giggle <laughs> yeah so i guess we're still children that's okay <laughs> uh all right so this gets a 95 for me because that uh, i think the the performances are great everyone pretty much to me stands out um and there's no bad performances so it's a 95 yeah i agree with everything you said and for me like like, they're all stand-up performances, but 
I mean, Catherine Hara, I mean, she did a fantastic job. I, when I found out it was, you know, she was the voice, I had no idea because it doesn't sound like her. Like her in Beetlejuice does not sound like her in The Nightmare Before Christmas. It's very different, very like different inflections. She does a really good job. And um, so I gave it a 97. Really? Wow. Yeah. I'm, okay. I don't think I'm going to come out higher than you on the other but I'm so far just a little smidge. <laughs> Very competitive. <laughs> I guess she is. All right. So uh, let's move on to directing. So uh, how good does Selleck do? Like I said, people think that Tim Burton directed this movie. And that alone, in a lot of ways, is praise. Now, Tim Burton is not a perfect director. He has his strengths. He has Especially his weaknesses. In the 2000s. Right. Yeah. He has his strengths and he has his weaknesses as a director, just like pretty much every director out there. But I feel like Selleck does just a masterful job here. Look, it's not the same, but you still you still have to direct a movie like this. You still have to pick the shots and the angles, and you have to decide, you know, where is where's the camera going to be and what's going to give you i think the the best shot for this situation and so he's shooting it no differently than if it was a live you know action movie but he just happens to be working with clay that's it yeah. so i mean you still have to put probably more effort into it like if not equal if not more <laughs> and it's 3 years of your life too by the way exactly 3 whole years and most of the time you're doing background stuff and probably helping other people out because you're waiting for them to, you know, get your shot ready. And then all you have to do is just take one frame. It's that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. So for me, um, I gave him a ninety-four. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Uh, I agree with everything you said. I mean, some of those shots too are just amazing. Um, how they managed to pull some of them off is just baffles me uh so i think it's absolutely wonderful um i gave him 90 okay uh special effects uh yeah look i mean there are special effects here it's not you know cgi but it is claymation it's all special effects. it is it's, a, it's 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 all it's all claymation it's still you know special effects of a different sort it's um you know, a forerunner to Pixar, for instance, you know, instead of Pixar being all CGI on the computer, this is simply, you know, stop motion, claymation, animation. Um, and it's great. It really is. Um, even to this day, I think the stop motion animation is outstanding. There is barely, I think, a mistake. I, I believe there's a couple of that saw in there, some, uh, a couple of times where it felt like, even back then, it was like it was a mistake. They probably knew it, but it was the best they could get. But we're talking some some true nitpicking here, honestly. And what is otherwise a like a masterclass job in uh, claymation, especially when you think about the fact that this movie came out you know, twenty five years ago. Yeah. So. Oh my god! I can't believe it was twenty five years ago. <laughs> yep. Almost twenty six. Yep. Don't exactly. even say it. <laughs> so it's uh. It came. It come. Well, it, yeah, twenty five. So anyway, it gets a ninety five for me. Yeah, I mean, it's all special effects. It's fantastic. I mean, 
I mean, the fact that this took three years to do and, you know, there isn't just a, none of it looks lazy whatsoever. There's always detail and there, it always feels very of the world, very original and just strange and it's fantastic. So the fact that it's all special effects and animation and I gave it a hundred. I, I could not give it anything less because it's just fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, what was your grade again? A hundred. <laughs> wow. Perfect. Yeah. It's just because like, I can't imagine all that work. And the fact that that's your, the entire movie is, you know, handcrafted special effects is just, I can't give it anything less. Well, I totally get it, but that that's uh that's pretty amazing. Uh all right, let's move on to editing and pacing. So, uh you know, editing and pacing for me with this movie is um very well, not even very good. It's fantastic. It's great. It really is. <laughs> um it's near perfect pacing and near perfect editing. Um hour and 16 minutes uh the fact is there's a story to tell and they tell it so you know it's not just the pacing and the I mean, the editing obviously is great and considering the fact they have to work with you know clay and doing the stop motion animation like you still have to edit the movie but this stuff is planned out well in advance and that's what makes i think with the the pacing and the editing so good here and it is a pretty short movie. That doesn't necessarily mean that that makes it for great pacing because you can have a short movie and have terrible pacing just like you can have a three-hour long movie and have perfect pacing. You know, it really just tell, it depends on the rate at uh, which the, the plot in the story is being told. And, you know, is it sag anywhere? You know, is it sagging in the middle? Um, stuff like that. And uh, in a movie like this, you know, it, the the plot unfolds very very quickly but efficiently and at a steady pace so it gets a 98 for me that is high praise <laughs> um i totally agree i think pacing is done really well and that i think that's even harder for a film that's climation it's not motion you know you don't know in the moment if the pacing is going to go well because you know you're doing like maybe a second per day because you have to do this you have to set the scene up every like 12 times for just a second of film and you hope that everything is flowing well but you don't really know until you're maybe like 20 minutes into this film and who knows if you're doing you know scenes out of sequence like, i couldn't imagine so the fact that it came out so well and you know well paced has a good flow to it that's pretty amazing. Um, I gave it a 92. Okay. All right. So, uh, rewatchability. Uh, for me, I gave it a 93. It's pretty high up there. Um, I watch it, I think, every year. Uh, oh, yeah. How can you not? So, it's, it's really good. Yep. I even watched this one time. I was giving blood in college. And what a random time. <laughs> right, right. It's kind of fitting. Uh, but I was I was giving blood and uh, I was just kind of laying there and they they put this on. So 
It's like, oh, great. At least I get to have fun watching, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas or The Nightmare Before Christmas. So it's funny, like right in the one of the opening scenes when, you know, after Jack you know, has his intro, he's sneaking off and they give out the awards for most blood sucked by a vampire. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, I'm giving blood right now. <laughs> yep. Yep. Here, vampire. <laughs> you want a little? <laughs> right. So you're feeding the vampire blood bank. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I totally agree. I mean, this movie is one that can be, I mean, either you can rewatch it like a dozen times in a year and it never feels stale. I gave it a 95. Okay. 95. Well, you know, I think, it, yeah, obviously I knew it was going to be pretty high for you as well. Because I'm usually the one that's pretty harsh on rewatchability. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely tend to be a little harsher when it comes to the rewatchability grades. I tend to be a little <laughs> harsher overall. I feel like I feel like I'm the yeah. harshest one here. Um Raker, he, he's the one that pulls he's the one that pulls up the Jurassic Park grade. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Like he's definitely like Usually you and I are very close together in our ratings. Like one of us is usually higher or lower, but Rake will I'd just be off the charts, like totally in a different world. Yeah. But that's what makes it fun. Uh, all right. So let's see here. Um, if we look at our overall grades, it's amazing. The fact that I'm just a shade higher than you are. Um, wow. Mine is a 96. My pick. Mine is a 96 overall. Yours is a 95 wow. overall. And uh, grand total comes out to a 95 for the overall grade, which is pretty darn great. Might be one of our, if not the highest, it's one of our highest for sure. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. So. It's it's a so really good movie. So this is a must watch from us. <laughs> it is. It's um. It's fun. It's just it, it's it's witty. It's like I said. It's macabre. It's uh, oddball humor. Oddball. It you know the the Tim Burton weirdness, obviously thrown in there. Very much alive. Yep. Uh, and uh, looks like that's it for us in this episode. Uh. This will be our last episode for the year. We'll be back in, uh, and I, again, I apologize for not having uh, episodes out in the last couple of weeks, but we will be out for the next couple of weeks uh, for the holidays uh, to enjoy Christmas and New Year's and spend time with family and friends and all of that stuff. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to try to catch up with the movies that have come out in the meantime, movies like... Aquaman and Mary Poppins is another one that uh, I think we want to do. So, am I crazy? Did, did Mortal Engines come out, or is that still? No, it came no. out. So, did it really? Yeah, I heard nothing about it. Someone just told me the other day, like at that movie Mortal Engines, that like, you wanted to see came and got. And I'm like, what? It came out? Are you kidding me? Yeah, it did, and it's it's um, from what I've heard at least, and I haven't seen it myself. But I'm just saying what I've heard is that it's not great. Darn. So. It's like, it was a very interesting concept. I, like, I hadn't read the books, but, I mean, the look of it was very, like, the teaser wasn't great, but the trailer looked really great, so I was surprised that it came and gone without a word. Yeah, unfortunately. Darn. Yep. But, yeah, anyways. <laughs> 
all right, everyone. Um, you know, that's it for this episode. So, you know, enjoy the holidays uh, if you do celebrate the holidays. And if not, well, I guess we'll just see you when we come back, I guess. And see you in the new year. See you in the new year. See you in 2019. So until then, have a good one. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast. Be sure to visit FreakingGeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at Patreon.com slash FreakingGeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps. Now, if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to FreakingGeeksMedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanage. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks. Intro music for this episode is Danger Storm by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Outro music is Nowhere Land by Kevin McLeod, which can be found at incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. You can also find the attribution in the episode description as well.